he see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates are, of, are burned with fire. Come, and let us build up the walls of Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. And we looked at that last week about a reproach. And then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's word that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good, for this good work. Father, would you bless your word tonight and teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. How many remember not very many years ago, it seems like eons ago, but it wasn't that, that chant, that battle cry, build the wall, right? Remember that? Build the wall, build the wall. Well, they got a little bit of it built, and uh, it did help. And uh, walls are not a bad idea, are they? They're not a bad idea. And in many ways, they're a good idea. Walls have a purpose. They, they remedy a problem, right? They can remedy problems. They provide protection. And when you think about it, we put walls around all sorts of things. We put walls around houses, right, like the Congress does. The ones who didn't want the wall, they had beautiful walls around their compounds and multi-bazillion dollar properties, right? How do you make that much money at 175 grand a year? Isn't that interesting? Anyway, <laughs> right? We put walls around houses. We put walls around playgrounds and equipment or things like that. There are walls around graveyards. Why? Because everybody's dying to get in, right? So they put walls around graveyards. Hey, there's even a massive wall around the Vatican. Isn't that funny? Even the Pope came out and, and ch- chided back when Trump was president, chided him about this wall. It's like, you've got one of the biggest walls around your spot, buddy, you know? <laughs> And everybody in the world got to have a wall about us. But anyway, and uh, walls, they're, they're an important thing. They're, they're, they're a good thing to have. When walls come down, right, it can no longer per- perform its intended purpose. I mean, I know that's an obvious statement, right? When the walls come down, they can't do what it was intended to do. There, there's, I mean, okay, you can say we're in a digital world and you can have drones and all of these electronic gadgets to take up for a wall, but essentially you're still doing a wall. It's just digital. When you get rid of a wall, it can't, you can't protect anymore. You can't do what you meant to do. And, uh, the protection is gone that it once provided. What am I saying? I'm saying walls are a good thing in many ways, in many applications. Walls are good. Now, if you remember the last time that we met, Nehemiah had uh, looked at the reproach. We had looked at this, the reproach of rebellion. We saw how that the rebellion of Israel led them to being invaded by the Babylonian Empire. Right? They invaded, they came in, they, they led many of the Israelites away from their home. They led them back east into Babylon. They led them into captivity, into bondage in this foreign country. And being a part of a war strategy, the Babylonians destroyed the walls around Jerusalem. They burned the gates around Jerusalem. And then, then they came up and they destroyed the temple after that. But... Nehemiah has returned to build up the wall again, right? The enemy destroyed the wall, right, because of other issues. They were allowed because of the rebellion, right? The enemy destroyed the wall, and now Nehemiah sent back under the good hand of God to rebuild the walls. And the leaders said to Nehemiah in verse 17, they said, hey, let us rise up and build. 
They were for this endeavor. They thought it was a good idea. There was unity in Israel to build a wall and to, to restore the wall that was broken down, right? And now, our last message kind of dealt with the how and the why, and how, how did the wall come down? Why did it come down? Well, the Babylon and rebellion, right, was, the, was, was how that happened. Tonight, I want to look at the purpose of the wall itself. We're going to answer the question, why a wall? Why, why do we build walls? Why do we build walls? There's a great spiritual application here. But I want to notice, first thing, there's a purpose of the wall. And uh, here he is. He said, let us rise up and build. There is a purpose here. What, what's the purpose? Well, number one, we have an enemy, right? I'm speaking spiritually now as well, specifically spiritually here. We have an enemy. Israel's enemy was Babylon, right? And we have our enemy as well. First Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We have an adversary. We have an enemy that hates us. He is identified here in our verse as the devil, as Satan, as Lucifer. And here in this verse in 1 Peter 5, 8, he is compared to a, as to a roaring lion. I have read some years ago, I might update, it was out of a, some of my blue encyclopedias, and I think they're packed in a box somewhere. So it's been a while since I've read this. But uh, uh, they, they say from what I was reading that a lion's roar can be heard for up to two miles. Two miles. That's pretty incredible. But there's another roar that a lion has when he has received a death blow. When a lion has received a death blow, he has another roar that's, it's, I don't know if it's louder, I don't know if it has a different sound to it, but what follows that is they say that that lion will, will essentially go out and attempt to take out everything in its path before it dies. It, it's just running crazy to kill everything in its path. And here the Satan is considered, is talked about as a, uh, as a roaring Lion. Satan has received a death blow. Amen. His days are numbered. He has been defeated. He has a death blow. But I'm telling you, he's attempting to take out everything in his path. By the way, how many know what a pack of lions is called? A pride. Isn't that amazing? They're called a pride. Listen, this roaring lion here, notice this. This is interesting to me because the word here is not running but walks. Methodical. Not in a hurry. Can I tell you something? I've heard a saying before. It's, a, it's, a, it's an accurate saying. It's something that we should heed. And they said this, the second most, impatient, the second most patient person there is is Satan. And he will wait an entire lifetime to destroy it. You look at the life of Asa, reigned for 35 years. What a great king he was. He only had five years left from, the, from 35 years to 40 when he died. Five, five years, just, just downhill. Puffed up with pride, rejected the help of God, right? The, the prophet comes in and corrects him and he got mad at him. He gets diseased in the foot, 
God would have healed him and he went to the physicians instead of God. I mean, it was just, I mean, in all of that time, 35 years out of 40 is a pretty good run. But boy, I tell you what, what a bad, what a sad ending. I'm thankful the Lord revealed to us that he said, that his, I love this, God said his heart was still perfect. He still had a, he still had a right heart, but his actions weren't, weren't doing so well. And I'm thankful that God can see that. Amen. And uh, so here it is, this roaring lion, he's walking, he's walking, he's methodical, he's watching, he's waiting. I mean, the, the lion that goes through the tall grass and he's, and he's walking along and is waiting, waiting to pounce at the, at the right time. He's looking for anyone who will get close enough to him. He's looking for anyone that will allow him, watch, to get close enough to him. If you watch, ever watch those those shows, maybe uh, Africa, the Serengeti, or some of these, what were those wild animal shows on the Saturdays years ago, uh, Wild America or something like that, and they would be on the in Africa, and the announcers like he's getting close, right? He's getting close, you know. And you watch all these gazelles or arcs or whatever is out there, and all of a sudden they go, they start looking around, you know. They were they were caught, right? You know who gets attacked? The one who wandered off, the one who's sick, the one who's weak. I mean, they can smell it a mile away, right? The one who is who is uh, who who is um, uh, not well physically. Yeah, he's waiting. Is he's waiting to get close? He's waiting to get close, waiting to sneak up uh, up to the up to who he wants uh, who he wants to get. It's what Satan does to us. He creeps. He walks. He's methodical. He waits and waits. He studies and watches patterns. Yeah. Listen, it's not healthy to get away from fellowship. It's not healthy to get away from the people of God. It's not healthy to get away from your church. It's not healthy to get away from Bible reading. It's not healthy to get away from prayer. It's not healthy to get away from, we're going to look at walls here. Why? Because we have an enemy. And listen, friend, he has been studying humans for 6,000 years you don't have anything on him. He knows. Listen, we're all cut out of the same cookie dough. I'm telling you, he knows us. He knows us very well. And we have to be careful. This is what he, he is described as here in 1 Peter 5, 8. A roaring lion walking about seeking to whom, seeking whom he may devour. And because of this, because we have an enemy... We're told in this verse to be sober. Be sober, be vigilant, right? That word sober means to be in, be in control. To be in control, right? Ephesians 5, 8 says, Be not drunk with wine or is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit, right? Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart as unto the Lord. He say here, it says here, Be not drunk with wine. What is that, that drunkenness? Now, listen, this is not a proof text for, for drinking alcohol. The point of this verse was a compare and contrast to show drunken, what drunkenness, uh, what uh, being totally, uh, the difference between being totally controlled by alcohol or being totally controlled by the Spirit of God. This was the point of this. So many people go to this verse and say, see, the point is not drunkenness. It's like, uh, anyway, it's not the point of that. That was not the point of it. Drunkenness, soberness, right? Be sober, be sober. Listen, don't be drunk with this world. Don't be drunk with your flesh. Don't be drunk in entertainment. 
Listen, we all battle the same stuff, friend. Absolutely we do. And we're told here, don't, listen, don't be drunk in that stuff because it's a sober mind. It is a sober individual. It's an individual who is alert and awake, who is aware of the closeness of Satan to us. Be sober. He goes on to say, be vigilant. Keeping careful watch for possible dangers or difficulties. Why, why are we not to be controlled by outside influences? Because if, you, if, you, if you're not sober, you're not going to be vigilant. It's not possible. If you're drunk with this world, if you're controlled by your flesh, if you're controlled by this, I'm telling you, it's hard to be, it's hard to be vigilant. It's hard to be careful, uh, carefully watching for possible dangers when you're just drunk and out of your mind. Had a guy show up to a job site one time with uh, drawings all over his face. <laughs> Magic marker. Somebody took a Sharpie and drew all over his face. He didn't even know it. You know why? Because when they did it, he was drunk. Yeah, Talented man. I know him. Very talented. And uh, couldn't keep a job. It's so sad. So somebody drew, drew all over his face. He didn't know it. He realized he woke up out of his drunkenness the next day, realized, i got to be on the job site, showed up, started working, and everybody's just dying laughing. You know, and somebody finally took him and said, hey, man, you need to go wash your face. Can I tell you something? You were not, he was not carefully watching for that, that, that dope with the, uh, with the magic marker. Why? Because he wasn't sober. I'm telling you, Satan is on us. And if we're not sober-minded, we're going we're gonna to fall to the enemy. We have an enemy. We have an enemy. Israel had an enemy. They had an enemy. And listen, because they lost, they, went, they walked away from the God. They, they definitely weren't living in a place of soberness and vigilance. Right? God warned them and warned them and warned them and warned them and said, hey, watch out. Right? And what eventually happened, it was too late. Babylon came in and the wall came down. We have an enemy. Let me remind you of this as well. Our enemy's target, I think, in the long run, isn't really us. It's God. It's God. Satan hates him. He hates him. What did he say in Isaiah? I will will ascend into the heavens. I will set my throne above the stars. I will, I will. Five times, I will, I will, I will, I will. Think about this. When Satan fell, God offered him no mercy, no forgiveness that we know of, at least not recorded. It says he took a third of the angels with him, right? But he offered it to us. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe just really, you're, I mean, you don't want to spend too much time trying to psychoanalyze Satan. That's a, that's a pointless task, Right? But I'm just saying, Satan's enemy, his ultimate enemy, is, is, it, it is really God. It, it, what a better way to attack God than to attack the object of his love. Watch, and make God look like a fool for loving us. Sometimes you, you think that yourself, don't you? God, why would you love me? Are you sure? I mean, we understand where we rejoice in the truth that God has, has revealed unto us of what he feels of us. And we rejoice in that. But listen, in all reality, folks, you've all been there at times in your life. And you've said, Lord, are you sure? I mean, love me? Right? Yeah. I 
think this very day, Satan is attempting to make God, maybe think God, trying to make it look like, I don't know how he thinks, but maybe, maybe he wants it to look like God, didn't you? Maybe, you know, this accusing day and night, you know. God, did you make a mistake? Them? Right? I have it right here, Revelation 20, 12, verse 10. says of Satan, which accused them before our God night and day. What is he? Our enemy is the accuser of the brethren. He's the accuser of the brethren. Why? He, he, he is, he is I, after us, I think, ultimately to get to God. See, he can accuse us day and night. He can accuse us all day long, and he does. The Bible says he does that. But I'm thankful for this. We have an advocate with the Father, right? Our elder brother, Jesus Christ. That's a wonderful thing to know. But, I mean, and think about this. Every time that Satan accuses us, every, and can I tell you, the accusations probably aren't wrong. I mean, how many times can Satan accuse of something that is factually accurate? But Jesus says, Father, I paid for that. Yeah, but what, look, look, at you, look at three days ago. Look at a week ago. Look at two months ago. Look at, yes, look at this morning. Yeah, I paid for that. No, it's okay. I, I, it's covered. It, no, it's, it's wiped away clean. Actually, if you'd look at their record, it's strikingly similar to my record. <laughs> I don't know. That ought to make you happy. Yeah. He, he can't accuse you away from God. Watch this. But, but he can wreak such havoc in our life that we can become unusable. We can give God a bad name. We can give the enemies of God a reason to blaspheme. We can live in misery instead of joy in victory, right? There's consequences. At the end of it all, if we have allowed Satan to destroy our life, if we, ever, if we allow him to get into that, into our life to destroy it that way, uh, God was a target, and I think we were just the pawns, and we just, it just runs right over our life and wrecks it. What am I saying? We have an enemy. We have an enemy. He has a target. Yeah. What, would, what, what do you think Satan's ultimate would joy would be in your life? Kill us? Yeah. Destroy us? See, God builds up and Satan tears down. God rebuilds. Satan leaves things broken. Aren't you glad God loves broken things? We are so broken, aren't we? I'm so thankful that God loves broken things. And he's able to fix them. Yeah. You know what Satan does? Satan, well, no, I'm, let me rephrase this. This almost came out wrong. I was going to say he's like our son, but he's not. Philip, when he was young, was, was wonderful at taking stuff apart. He, he would, you know, take a motor apart, whatever little things he was looking at, and it would still be there apart. It never, some, a lot of times it never got back together. Of course, he's older now and does a little better at that now. But you know what? Satan's kind of like that, but he has no desire to put it back together. He just loves to take things apart and destroys them. God gives life. Satan takes life. God sacrifices. Satan never will sacrifice for any of us. God gives. Satan just takes and takes and takes. God loves. Satan hates. I mean, listen, we have an enemy. He's a thief. He's, he's, he, he desires, I believe, to see us dead and at the very least absolutely 
incapable of being useful to God. John 10, 10, uh, it, Jesus said this, the thief, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. See, Jesus' desire for us tonight is an abundant life. Not just life, but a life abundant. And I like that. So because we have an enemy, because his target is God and he uses us, because our enemy's goal, I believe, is death, watch this, God builds walls. Walls. Walls remedy a problem. Now, there are many problems that can arise in life. There are many problems that can arise in life that a simple wall would remedy. If you keep having, uh, if you, for some reason, went out and bought a bunch of goats and put them out in your woods and out in the field, and they kept getting on the neighbors, and you realize, oh, we didn't put a fence up. Well, you know what would have remedied that? Put up a wall. Keep them in. And if you have goats, you pretty much have to put up a wall, not just a fence, because they get out of everything, right? But walls, they, they remedy problems, right? They, uh, so, so watch, same with spiritual walls. They remedy a problem. They remedy problems that come into life. They, they, they help us against the attacks of Satan. Let me give you, some, let me give you a few things that, that walls help in the life of a believer. Let me give you a few of these things. The wall of doctrine. The wall of doctrine. Let me say it this, let me say it this way. Know what you believe and always continue to build upon it and strengthen it. Know what you believe. How many in this room could tell somebody if they asked you? You know, the Bible tells us, be ready to give every man an answer of the hope which lieth within you. If somebody said, why are you a Baptist? What would you tell them? Biblically. We're talking about a wall of... What does doctrine mean? Teaching. We're talking about talking about the teaching of the Word of God. Okay, let me, let me get this. If somebody said, what is the gospel, what would you tell them? If you, if, if you don't know how to tell somebody what the gospel is, your wall of doctrine is pretty weak. You say, a wall of doctrine, does doctrine protect us? Well, you bet it does. Protects you from what? From error. From things that aren't truth. If somebody said, hey, do you believe there are sign gifts today? Hey, we have a lot of Pentecostals around here, a lot of Charismatics, a lot of people that believe toes grow back and all sorts of things happen, right? And uh, if somebody says, do you believe in the sign gifts? I mean, this is somebody who really genuinely, genuinely wants to know. And you say, no. And they say, well, why not? What would you tell them? Where would you go? How would you show them doctrinally, biblically, why you believe what you believe? Somebody says, uh, well, I, I, don't, I, I don't think you can, if you're saved yet, I, I don't believe that, you know, you could probably send it away, right? What would you tell them if they believe that their, eternal, their, 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 their salvation is not eternally secure? What would you tell them? These are all doctrinal issues, right? Watch, and doctrine builds a doctrine is a wall. A wall against what? A wall against error. A wall against being driven by every wind of doctrine, the Bible says, right? Being taken away, taken about by every wind of doctrine. There are walls. Listen, we have an enemy. We have an enemy. The world, the flesh, the devil, we have an enemy, right? 
And one of the walls that need to be built up strong in our life is a wall of doctrine. We need to know why we believe, what we believe, and why we believe it. Acts 17, 11, we know what it says here of those at Berea. They were more noble than those at Thessalonica in that they, re- here it is, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things are true. I just gave this verse to one of the concrete workers working out here today. He said he goes to, well, he doesn't go to church, but he, anyway, we had a nice conversation. And, uh, and uh, this, this verse came up about searching the scriptures daily. All right. you, know what, you, you know what? I have no, no problem telling somebody after I preach. Here, I'll give you, I mean, go study it out. I don't want to be wrong. I love truth, right? If people love truth and somebody says that's wrong, I want to know, right? I want to know if it's wrong, right? Romans 6, 17, but God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered you. That what did they believe? They believed the teaching of the word of God. They believed doctrine, Titus 2.1, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. It's hard to speak the things of sound doctrine when you don't know it. Second Timothy 4, 3, for the time will come when they will not, when, when they will not endure sound doctrine. Boy, doesn't that sound like today? I tried to explain to somebody why you need to be a member of a body, of a church. And this fellow went on and on and on. Why? And it's just, okay. You know what I found out while out here where I talk to people out? You know, and, and you've heard it for years. It's, it's nothing new. A lot of it comes down just to accountability. They don't, want, they don't want accountability in their life. It's wonderful to just hop around every church all over the place and just do whatever you want. And when you don't like this one, you go to that one. And, oh, that music is better over there. And that, you know, I mean, you know what? They have no pastoral accountability, and they love it. And it's not good for us. Hey, let me show you a difference. David Solomon. You know who David had? Nathan. And think about this. King David, at any time, Nathan could come into him and say, Buddy, you're wrong. You're wrong. And David would say, you're right. Solomon starts out, he has a biathar. What do you have after that? You don't see any man of God in Solomon's life. Accountability. Maybe there's a connection. Maybe. They'll not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears. Oh, it just sounds good. I like that. I like that. Doctrine matters. Doctrine matters. Why? Because Satan attacks truth. And he attacks doctrine. Watch, if you're gonna if you're gonna if if you are going to live a victorious life, we've got to have a wall of doctrine around us. True truth. I mean, Bible doctrine is what I'm trying to say. We have to have it around us. Secondly, walls of separation. There, there's two areas of separation. This crowd, we know this, the two, uh, two main areas of a, what the big word, ecclesiastical uh, separation and then personal separation, ecclesiastical dealing with church separation. Do you know why? You know, there's a reason why we're Baptist. I believe it's biblical. I believe historically we can see that. Um, uh, I, I believe that the, the Baptist, a, a true a Baptist church has the same identifying marks as the church that Jesus built. Yeah, I believe that. 
Really? You don't think that, uh, you know what? Hey, you don't think the Presbyterians have any identifying marks? Maybe a couple, but I know this. Baptizing babies is not an identifying mark of the church that Jesus started. Yeah. Kind of hard to believe when you're a baby, to believe the gospel, right? Yeah. Separation. There's a reason why we separate. No, it doesn't, I'm not saying we're ugly, right? But there's some things we just can't do together. I had a visitation one time several years back, me and Alan, and a girl came and she had invited us to this event at the Ozark Empire Fairground that all of the churches of Springfield were getting together to minister to the homeless. You know, And I've told this story before. And I just I thanked her. She was very nice. I said, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. I'm not gonna, we're not going to join together with a bunch of people that, that are, are wrong in their doctrine. Listen to what Paul said in Romans 16, 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. Avoid them, for they are such as serve not our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. You've got to be careful. 2 Thessalonians 3, 6, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother. We're not saying they're not brothers in Christ. Are there saved people in Presbyterian churches? Absolutely. In Methodist churches? Yes. Yeah. Southern Baptists? Probably not. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Of course. Of course there are. They have placed their faith and trust in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are born again. They're brothers. They're sisters. But watch. He says, We command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you would draw yourselves from other, every brother that walketh disorderly, not after the, the tradition which he received of us. Apostle, what doctrine? Doctrine. Ecclesiastical separation. That's why we don't, we're not members of a ministerial alliance. That's why there's some things that we just don't in, get involved in. Because watch, watch, this separation is a wall of protection, right? There's, reason, there, there's reasons, and, and believe it or not, many more churches than you realize do this. There's reasons why some can't come into the membership of this body without having scriptural baptism. Because baptism, uh, the, the doctrine of that church is in the baptism of the one who's, who, who is baptized, right? I mean, you know, I know somebody born again. I absolutely believe they're born again, a child of God, baptized in the church of Christ. No. That, you know what that baptism then means? It means salvation. That is not biblical baptism. And that church is in a church of Jesus Christ, and it doesn't have authority to baptize. The church has authority. We could spend on that. This is a, uh, I'll get stuck on there tonight. I better not do that. Separations, ecclesiastical separation. Secondly, personal separation. We know these verses, 2 Corinthians 6, 17. You can quote them with me. I know you could. Wherefore, come out from among them and be a separate, saith the Lord, touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. First Peter 1, 15. But as he which hath calleth you, has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. And all of our lifestyle should be marked by holiness. Mm, it's a tall order. What, what is separation? It's a wall. It's a protection. Why? Because we have an enemy. We have an enemy. Thirdly, here's another wall for you. Wall of thankfulness. Thankfulness. It's a, hey, it's amazing 
how destructive an unthankful life is. Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always for all things. Can I tell you, my truck broke down again for like, I don't know, the 800th time. And I can tell you, I wasn't real thankful the other day. I was thankful I was in the Menards parking lot in a nice parking lot. It was beautiful. And a lot of space and a nice, easy to place to tow it away from, right? Not, I mean, I happen to have my trailer still on it, so there's enough space for all of us. It was wonderful. But I just wasn't very thankful. I really wasn't. It was a nice day. I remember thinking, boy, I'm, it is better it was warm out, not cold. This is nicer. You know, we're thankful for that. Giving thanks always for all things. Yeah. Unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, do you know what verses come before this? This is Ephesians 5.20. Remember, I just read to you Ephesians 5.18. And be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making, uh, singing and making melody in your heart as unto the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thankfulness is a mark of walking in the Spirit. It's an evidence of walking in the Spirit. Yeah. It's connected to being sober, sober-minded. Walking in the Spirit. Watch, thankfulness. It's a wall. Hey, if you want to escape Satan, build a wall of thankfulness for everything. You know when some of the greatest times he has attacks is when you're down in the mouth and, and life is terrible and life is awful and oh, everything's going bad. And I'm telling you, mark it down like clockwork. He'll be there. He's like, perfect. They're weak. You know, you know, you know how you build up a wall? Lord, thank you for the truck breaking down today. This is awesome. Maybe not awesome, but it's wonderful. Thankful, thankful for the nice parking lot. Sure to be thankful that it happened here, not on the interstate. I broke down once on a Superstition Freeway in, in uh, Phoenix. I Oh, back in about 1993, I had a 75 International Scout. Actually, I had air conditioning. I couldn't believe it. And disc brakes for an old binder. That's pretty good, an old International. And I was coming up to this big off-ramp and getting onto Superstition Freeway, and it died. And I pulled off on the, on the side of the road, and I looked over this overpass, you know, those huge overpasses, and there's state troopers that have the interstate stopped. And one comes flying up the off-ramp to me and uh, gets out. What's going on? And I had my hood up. I'm, oh, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out. It broke down again. They had the interstate shut down <laughs> for me because I was like, sorry, you know, folks. But, uh, I mean, listen. A nice parking lot is a lot better place to break down in the middle of the freeway. Some of you in California, I mean, oh, man, I can't imagine what it would be like breaking down in the middle of 12 lanes and sitting there. I mean, I, I guess it happens, right? I mean, listen, there's all sorts of things to be thankful for. Even in the middle of the 12 lanes, you can say, God, I'm thankful that I'm not broken down in Delhi, India, uh, getting my breakfast out of a gutter tomorrow morning, literally. I mean, listen, friend, we can find all sorts of things. To be thankful about. It's a wall. It's a wall against the enemy. Yeah. Oh my goodness, we gotta go. I'm not even done. I think I'm all. Give me five or 20 more minutes and we'll finish, okay? <laughs> protection. I know this is redundant, but walls provide protection. I want you to remember this. Listen to this very closely. I wrote it down specifically, I gotta read it the way I wrote it. Walls aren't to keep you in to ruin all of your fun. God builds walls because of the value of what's inside 
the walls. And that's you and I. Yeah. God loves you. God loves you. That's why parents put fences around the backyards so the kids can play freely within boundaries and enjoy that time, right? That's why he does that. God has a plan for your life. Still, yes. As long as you're breathing, he has plans. Yeah. God thinks you're of great value. He believes we're of great value. Right? Not because of what we can do for him, but because of a relationship that we are able to have with him. You ever known somebody to look at something and say, oh, you know, maybe it's an object and it's like, yeah, it's not, yeah, that's okay, that's okay. But then somebody else who's very prominent goes, oh, I really like that. And all of a sudden everybody goes, oh, yeah, I like that too. Oh, yeah, that's pretty nice. You know where our value comes from? Our value comes from the one who has his eyes set upon us in love. God loves us. And that's our value. Luke 12, 6 and 7, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. You're a value. Watch this. Don't allow the walls that God builds, don't allow them to be destroyed by the enemy. Because they're there for a purpose. They're there for protection. Jerusalem was attacked. The enemy did two things. Destroyed the temple, destroyed the walls. Watch this. They had to get through the walls to get to the temple. They had to get through the walls to get to the... They didn't have helicopters, drones. They weren't dropping in from the sky. They had to go through the walls first and then get to the temple. And our enemy... Listen, our enemy tonight, he's doing the same thing. He's got to go through the walls so he can destroy the temple. What are you saying? He's attacking the wall so he can attack the relationship. Maybe there's walls you've broken down. Maybe there's walls you've never realized needed to be built. Maybe there's walls tonight that are a good reminder you've been reminded of. Maybe the Holy Spirit of God tonight has reminded you of some other walls that came to your mind. Right? Maybe, maybe thankfulness and something came to your mind. Thought, but you know what? I need to build up a wall of thankfulness. I need to build. I need to build up a wall of doctrine. I, I don't know what. I, I know I believe Jesus, but if somebody said, "What's?" The, I don't know even what I'd answer him about the gospel. I don't know what I'd answer him about why we don't believe in sign gifts. I don't today. I, I don't not then, but today. I don't. I don't know what I would even answer somebody if fill in the blank. And you need to build. Maybe you need to build up a wall of doctrine. Maybe you need to build up a wall of separation. And the world, the flesh, and the devil is r running your life. Whatever it is, listen, walls are necessary because walls are protecting something that God thinks is of great value. You'd be pretty upset if somebody came into your house and uh, took some family heirloom that had been passed down from generation to generation to generation and took it and just on the way out from robbing your house, just chucked it out in the driveway and crashed everywhere. 
You know what you do with stuff like that you're concerned about? You, you tuck them away, you hide them away. You put them in safes, right? People have jewels, they put them in Why? Because they're a value and they don't want somebody to get to them to destroy them. Walls. Don't despise the walls that God puts up. Yeah. I know it's, it sounds really good. The start, I mean, it's been going on for years and years now. Oh, tear down the walls, tear down the walls. Yeah, that's ecumenicalism. The walls will be torn down when, when the Antichrist comes on the scene, right? And, uh, but you know what? While we're, we're still here, we need to build them. We need to keep them strong, keep them, keep them doing what they're supposed to do and protect us. May God help us in this tonight. Nehemiah is going to rebuild some walls. Maybe there's some walls we need to rebuild tonight as well. Father, thank you for this tonight. What a great reminder. We need this. I need this. What a good reminder. We thank you for it. Maybe there's some walls that are kind of broken down in our life. Holy Spirit of God, you have pointed out some walls maybe to some people. And uh, you've, you've made note of those. and They know exactly what they are. And I pray that you would help us as we leave this place to endeavor to build the, those walls. Whatever that wall is that you've pointed out. That we begin, we begin tonight and begin tomorrow and continue on just as Nehemiah to rebuild that wall. Would you help us to do that? We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand tonight, if you would. The instrument's going to play however the Lord has spoken. Would you uh, respond to him tonight, please? Need some walls to strengthen up? Maybe they're not down. Maybe they just need a little fortifying, little reminders. Let's be dismissed in a word of prayer tonight. And have a great rest of your week. We'll see you, Lord willing, Saturday morning, men's prayer and visitation. And then we'll see you Sunday morning. Uh, Brother Micah, would you close us in a word of prayer tonight?